This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Brian, John, and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. That's right, Geek Gab for Saturday, April 23rd, 2016. And today we have a special, special guest on, Bradford C. Walker, blogger. How you doing today, this Saturday, Brad? I'm doing pretty damn good, Daddy Warpig. Nice to have, you know, nice to be here. Glad to be here. Can, uh, is it all right if I call you Brad, or should I call you Bradford? Uh, Brad's fine. Okay. You know, I, I don't like to call people the wrong name unless I'm specifically calling them the wrong name in the interests of insulting them. <laughs> Which isn't yet my goal here. Let's see. We should have on the line... Uh, I'm going to uh, let John talk first, because I know as soon as Brian starts talking, there's an announcement, a big announcement, a mega announcement, that Brian needs to make, so we're going to stack him last. John, how was your uh, weeks away from the show? Hey, man, it's been good. I missed last week for a uh, nerdy card tournament. There was... Uh, dozen of us who got together in Seattle to play a an out-of-print card game, and we made a tournament of it. Uh, good times were had by all. We had people coming in from uh, Denver and Los Angeles uh, play Vampire the Eternal Struggle, and uh, we had a nice tournament on Saturday, which I actually ended up winning. So um, I missed the Geeky Gab for a good cause. You know how it is. Congratulations on your victory. Yeah. So, Brian... You have yes. an announcement I heard? I do. Because you know how last week I said Ethereal Second Ed would be out on the 30th? So, Brian, I, I, I recall I lied. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's a weird audio doubling there. Yeah, I lied. I couldn't wait, and um, a lot of people seemed uh, to be really chomping at the bit for it to come out, and I was just sitting on it, so I'm like, ah, fine, I'll just re release it now, so... It's out now. It is available on Amazon for Kindle. Although right now, if you buy the paperback version from Amazon, you'll get the old one because I just like finished the process of putting it through CreateSpace. But if you buy it through CreateSpace and I've provided the links, you will get the second edition paperback. And I get a bigger cut than I do through Amazon anyway, so I, I prefer that anyhow. Now, there were. Did you read Ben Zwicky's post? Which one? On About Ethereal, where he mentions Ethereal? I'll, I'll tell this story anyway, because nope. apparently you have not. Well, the nope. international lord of hate, Larry Correa, author of The Son of the Black Sword, a brand new epic fantasy novel, and also author of The Grim Noir Chronicles, and Monster Hunter International, is currently on a multinational tour of Europe including England and Czechoslovakia and France and a bunch of other countries. Well, one of the places he stopped in, he was met by a friend of ours, Ben Zwicky. I am probably pronouncing that name wrong, by the way. It's Zwicky. Zwicky, okay, fine. Yeah. Ben Zwicky. And Ben Zwicky uh, talked to, because Ben is also a published author, he talked to Larry Courier, the international lord of hate, about Nethereal. And the quote back that we got from Ben Zwitsky was that he thought it was quite a good book. Hmm. 
So there you go. You might be able to contact the International Lord of Hate and get an official cover cover blurb. You know, something like, well, I, I didn't fall asleep more than once reading this this otherwise pretty decent <laughs> novel. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, I don't want to steal your thunder. That That is really great to hear. Um, I do have a couple more things I can say about that because I've actually been talking to... Okay, all right, full disclosure. I've been stalking Larry for going on three years now. Um, back since I tried to uh, approach him at Gen Con 2013, you know, to be on, on Drunken Zombie, and you know, I was a big part of the push to get him on Geek Gab. But besides that, I've been exchanging emails and you know, Facebook and Facebook posts and, and tweets with him. Um, so, yeah, I'm the one who sent him his review copy of the book. And actually, he first started reading it on his way to Chattacon on the plane ride. Read half of it, said, yeah, he confirmed it and said that he, he liked it, which is a huge honor for me. I mean, validation, of course, is never the best reason to write, but it sure is nice when you get it, especially from the International Lord of Hate himself. So his completion of the book, though, like last I'd heard, some lady suffering from a psychotic episode or demon possession or something had been seated next to him on the return flight back to Utah, and so he was unable to finish it. So I'm glad that like he at least still remembers it. Well, see, I just assumed when I heard the comment that he'd actually finished it now. Yeah, he he probably has. Uh, that it seems to me that's that's a good indication. Um. I do know that there will be, oh man, how to mention this. Let's just say that Larry isn't done with an ethereal yet, even though he's done reading it. And there will be an announcement shortly. Ben uh, also was pushing, he said uh, that he told him that the second novel, that is Soul Dancer, by the way, uh, just in case you're curious, links to... Uh, Links to Soul Dancer is uh, in the description below. Um, but uh, he, he pushed uh, Soul Dancer to Larry and said that it was even better than the Ethereal, so it's possible um, it's possible he could be reading that too at some point. Yeah, I hope so. I also sent it to him, uh, but I know he's got a mountain of email. I'll have to resend it now when he gets back to the States. But uh, yeah, I'm obviously biased, but... Yes, I mean, the, the readers and reviewers agree the second book is superior, and I think I avoided the sophomore jinx, where the second book is almost always less well-received than the first, because it's actually the first book. I wrote Soul Dancer first, then went back and wrote an ethereal to fill in the background. So, the second book is really my first book. And the first hey, if, is really it's, the second. if it's yeah. good enough for Orson Scott Card, I guess it's good enough for uh, us, right? Oh, did he do that? Did That's... Uncle Orson do that? Yeah, that was sort of, um, Ender's Game was sort of, yeah. he, he wanted to write uh, Speaker for the Dead, and, and Ender's Game was sort of him trying to explain the backstory of Speaker for the Dead. That's how that happened. It's almost wow. the same story. Nice. Well, yeah, good, good news all around. Um, thank you, Jesus. Anyway, we've got a guest star here. I don't want to steal all the thunder. I, I don't know. So. Did our guest star write a book? It's in the process. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So that makes that makes me the only one of us not actually writing anything cool. 
Someone... I'm, not, I'm technically not writing anything. <laughs> you started, though. That's what counts. I'm taking notes on a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah, you're shooting Barrett's and studying you know, the flight patterns of footed arrows. And you're, you're doing field research. It's all right. Which is a great excuse for anything. It's like, why are you, sir, why are you purchasing bulk quantities of 80-gallon glad heavy-duty trash bags and bulk <laughs> quantities of Drano? I'm a writer. I'm doing research. <laughs> Hand me that machete. And those ski masks. Um, we, okay, so this is my confession. I have actually, I, what I told Bradford, our guest star before the show, was that I hadn't done anything really uh, that I wanted to talk about on the show. And so he suggested a couple of topics. But I want to say this. I have actually done two things that I don't really think are interesting enough to talk about on the show, but I'm going to mention them, not discuss them in depth, but just mention them. The first one of which is I am binge-watching 1970s television. I have hit WKRP in Cincinnati. I have hit uh, episodes of Barney Miller. I have hit uh, episodes of... All kinds of uh, One Day at a Time, Welcome Back, Cotter, uh, Night Court, which isn't actually 70s. That's a little bit later. That's the latest one I've done. Rockford Files, and uh, so on and so forth. And I really don't have anything uh, that I want to talk about in respect to those because I haven't had anything that's interesting enough to mention. Everything that I wanted to mention about them has gone out on uh, the web, gone out on Facebook. Oh yeah, also Fantasy Island uh, I've watched. So, the other thing I'm doing is I'm reading all the Conan stories in order of print. Uh, in order of the date of publication. And those are really, really good stories. They are surprisingly good. Um, and it is a it is a shame that so much of the material that is uh, was published at the same time in the pulps by other authors has dropped off the face of the planet, and I certainly hope... I'm using... Uh, Jeffro Johnson is a blogger who did uh, an entire series on Appendix N from Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, which is basically a review of 40 years... Uh, specific authors from 40 years of pulp fiction, um, specifically fantasy fiction, and I'm hoping to start eking through uh, all of that at, at, a, at some point because they are brilliant and very, very different from modern fantasy because all of the rules that we've become used to that started with basically the sort of Shannara and uh, the other fantasies that became Tolkien-esque remixes. Not that they're bad. I loved uh, the Elfstones of Shannara. I love the Rift War series, but they kind of set this heavy stamp on fantasy. And even people who are consciously rebelling against that heavy stamp, like Brandon Sanderson, still are not as wild and wooly and uh, awesome as the Conan stories are, as Faithford and the Grey Mouser stories are, as all of these other uh, pulp fantasy stories are. So I'm hoping to read more of them because they are uh, exciting, they are fast-paced, they are... Uh, amazing, and they're quite interesting to read, and they avoid virtually all of the, what we would consider cliches from modern fantasy. Um, the story I'm reading right now, the beasts Conan is running into aren't dragons or goblins or trolls or things. They're dark, mysterious, grotesque, semi-shapeless, 
monsters that uh, would not have been out of place in a Call of Cthulhu story. So it's very, very interesting. Those are the two things I've been doing, and other than uh, that little bit of talking about them, I don't really have much to say yet. Maybe I will at some at some future show when we get uh, when I get more of that under my belt. So I am going to go to Bradford, uh, to Brad, and because he made a couple of suggestions for things we could talk about in our typical rambling, discursive manner. And uh, I was going to give him a chance to introduce them. Yeah, thank you, Daddy Warpig. Uh, now, before I do that, a little follow-up. I do have all of the Delray reprints for uh, the original Conan, Co you know, Conan Corpus and the rest of the stuff that Howard published through the pulps. And you are correct. It is fantastic writing. It has it has significantly influenced my own. Uh, to the point where I made my own barbarian character, in, in you know, and then took him out of the barbarian, you know, standard fantasy stuff and made him post-apocalyptic, which is, uh, you know, you know, he's going to be the protagonist of the the novel I'm currently working on, the Burning of Hugo. So uh, when I when I'm ready to talk more about that, I'll. Be certain to find my way, find my way to you guys, and come back and you know hype the book. And uh, in the meantime, while I work on Burning of Hugo, I also spend a lot of time online in other communities. Uh, when I'm not you know playing World of Warcraft, I will be often found on Twitch and uh, some of the other people that uh, I met by, by way of Gamergate. Uh, one of which is Oliver B. Campbell. He has a a channel on Twitch, and uh, he has. I'm gonna, I want to interrupt you. I am so so sorry. Um, I was reading your blog. I don't play World of Warcraft. I don't think Brian does, but I believe John still does. Um, and while we're passing peripherally by the topic of World of Warcraft, uh, one of the posts that went up recently on your blog was about the disaster that is hovering into view with the next expansion. Oh, good God! The Legion release date. Um, do, we, do you want to talk about that for a few minutes? Yeah. Um, over the past week, uh, Blizzard Entertainment, the World of Warcraft development team particularly, released the, uh, the date in which uh, the next World of Warcraft expansion, Legion, uh, is going to go live, and that's uh, August 30th this year. And the reason I'm on the, I'm on the doomsaying side of this is uh, twofold. One, I was in the beta for the current expansion, uh, Warlords of Draenor, and a lot of the feedback I gave was not heeded and turned out to be uh, part of a chorus of feedback that told the developers at the time what a lot of the problems were, problems that are now known issues that have driven off over half of the subscription base. And... Uh, now that Legion has been in development for a better part of a year, openly so, the official status is still alpha. We're not officially in beta yet, and yet they want the expansion to go live in August 30th. That's not very far. And uh, the next thing to consider is that standard practice for going into the next expansion is that there is something called the pre-patch where all of the major mechanical updates and code updates and you know technical updates are pushed out usually you know four to eight weeks you know 
rough usually about a month and a half before the expansion goes live so everybody can get used to them and there's usually an end of expansion event blah 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 you know segue stuff that's likely to happen in June around the time of the release of the Warcraft movie and if they think that this expansion is going to launch without without much of a problem there's going to be a disappointment because while Warlords of Draenor for the first two weeks was fantastic as soon as everybody hit the new level cap and started getting into the endgame it quickly dawned on a lot of us that there really wasn't much to do if you were not a raider and that's when the tanking started Legion is really starting to look like it's going to have a similar problem not the same problem uh, in the last day or two there's been a lot of uh, information released on how they're trying to address this by importing uh, the adventure mode concept from Diablo 3 and make that part of the initial round of endgame where you your max level character starts you know, gearing up and preparing to do the high-end rating, high-end dungeons, player versus player stuff, all of that. If it works, fantastic. I've been on this ride for a decade. I've come to understand that the developers, you know, developers' ambitions far exceed their abilities. So my I'm I want to believe, let's put it that way. <laughs> So I mean, what's the uh, th that's that's really interesting and saddening to hear. And and like Jason was saying, uh, I I don't currently play, but I I played for years and years. And and um, the the big MMO problem is is the content problem. Um, do do you, do you really think it matters how smooth the uh, the expansion release is and everything? When I in my opinion, the main problem ever since. Uh, even as far back as Wrath of the Lich King, is that they simply can't put out content fast enough uh, for people to consume it. So yeah, yeah, that is the primary problem. It's the, the locust swarm problem. It's why you have a lot of people who will, you know, play for uh, a month, two months until they hit the end, and uh, then they'll unsubscribe and for the next content patch. Um, up through the current expansion, that was acceptable because, especially in um, in Miss of Pandaria, they, they managed to come up with a pretty, you know, decent pace of content release. And uh, Warlord screwed all of that up. <laughs> they really had exactly one real content patch, and that was 6.2, the release of the of Hellfire Citadel and uh, Tanan Junko finally being available for play, which, by the way, should have been in at launch, but wasn't. A lot, amongst many other things that were supposed to be there, but got cut or delayed. And uh, with uh, the upcoming expansion with Legion, they just made the final zone of the new, the new content area uh, available. They just made one of the dungeons that are supposed to be available at launch open for testing. They still haven't finished raid testing. Uh, the higher-level dungeon stuff is still being tuned. Most of the classes and specializations still need a tuning pass. 
and a balance pass and PVP is still under significant testing. And again, we are not officially in a beta state yet. While it often looks like one, that's, you know, what it, what it looks like and what it officially is are not the same thing. And uh, that's causing a little strife that, you know, that's noticeable, you know, at least for folks like me, when interacting with uh, people who live stream their testing, which is completely open to do. There's no NDA for this. And uh, it, it is causing some concern, and those concerns are starting to, you know, show up in the uh, YouTube video feeds of people I follow, like Final Boss TV, Bellowar Gaming, Asmund Gold, um, and uh, a few others. Um, yeah, you know, Preach Gaming, uh, Heels versus Babyface. Those are the folks I I routinely check to see what their opinions are about Legion and how you know how they get to where what their opinions are. And the, all of them are, are having concerns of one sort or another because of the short amount of time between the release of, of Legion, when it's supposed to go live, when we expect the pre-patch, and today. It's like, today is, we're near the end of, you know, we're near the end of April. If we expect the pre-patch roughly about June, roughly about the same time, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for a pro for any kind of beta, beta testing, especially any massive stress testing, where you not only have people checking the, this technical stuff, but you're trying to load the servers as hard as you can you know, and get them to fail so that they can find the failure points, fix them, and supposedly have everything ready to go for launch. Otherwise, you're going to have problems like what happened when Warlords of Draenor launched in at first, everybody thought it was a DDoS attack. It just turned out that there was like, oh, twice as many people coming back as they expected. So the problems with it being in an alpha state right now are being rushed out in August is that, one, there are significant game mechanical problems that need to be uh, tested and, and addressed, uh, and two, that there it just isn't going to be enough for people to do once they buy this expansion pack because it's a, a paid expansion pack. All of the, all mm -hmm. of them are. Uh, there just isn't going to be enough for people to do to to remain interested in it and and continue uh, subscribed to World of Warcraft. Yeah, um, you know, it may not seem like you know for people who are, who are keeping up and are watching the live streams or or the archive videos, you know. That you know of the of the Legion testing, it may not seem like there are a whole lot of issues, but you go to places like uh, the official you know World of Warcraft forums, you go to the MMO or you know, Champion forums for you know for Legion testing, and you read you know feedback and you know once you filter out the flame wars and the shit posting, uh, there are significant issues that that are still cropping up. They may not appear you know. Uh, when you're looking at the screen, they may not seem weird. You know, they may seem like a bug. But, you know, behind the scenes, when you're looking at the math, the math and the code, you know, you're seeing issues like, you know, you're seeing issues where, at this point, it's a lot of uh, things are not working as intended. And whether or not they can make things work as intended for all 36 class and class specializations that are going to be in the game at launch, 
well, that's a big task. And if Blizzard can pull it off, great. Otherwise, well, what's usually going to happen is that there's going to be a bunch of bugs that either didn't get fixed but were reported or weren't even noticed. They go live, people complain, they manage to get enough useful information from the complaints to figure out what happened, and then they have to start patch, you know, doing minor patches and bug fixes and push those out. And you know, that's been the case. Every, you know, that's been the case to some degree or another since uh, you know World of Warcraft first went live. You know, over ten years ago. Okay. Well. Um... Something to keep in mind if you're a World of Warcraft fan, if you are either a current player or if you were planning on returning in uh, August, uh, or if even if you weren't planning on returning, if the going and seeing the movie gets you all excited about playing World of Warcraft again, you, you know who I'm talking about because it will happen to you. Um, keep in mind that the new expansion might not be something you want to jump into right away. You might want to wait a couple of months for some of the balance issues to get ironed out and maybe even for some additional uh, content to come out. Okay, so the other thing you wanted to talk about was and you started to talk about before I rudely interrupted, was Oliver Campbell's Twitch channel. Yes. We only have four or five minutes left, so. Okay, then I'll I'll cut straight to the chase. Uh, Oliver B. Campbell, uh, is one of the best people I've I've met by way of Gamergate. He, you know, when he's not talking journalist journalism, journalistic ethics and the like, you know, he wants to get his game on just as much as the rest of us. And he has a channel, uh, OBC TV at you know at Twitch. And he right now he's probably still streaming Dark Souls 3 for the you know doing his fourth playthrough. But he started using his stream to not only just build a, a regular community of uh, you know of regulars, you know, such as myself, who show up and talk not with everyone else and him while playing. He started doing two things that I think are very interesting. One, he's allowing other people to use his channel periodically uh, to stream, and uh, that just happened the other night. Uh, somebody, you know. Uh, I forget who uh, I forget exactly who it was, but you know, one of the others that um, Oliver would allow to allow to do this, you know, did uh, The Sims 4 for a while, and the big one, the one that's really gotten me excited, is that he started putting together Thursday night fights, which is him and a bunch of other people playing one of a set of fighting games, you know, Guilty Gear. Street Fighter Five, whatever, and the way that's organized is he sets up his stream and then he opens up the you know he has a a Discord server that he invites people to and he has a a voice channel in there that that's where all the fighters are and that's how they organize who you know how who's going into the fight rotation who's taking on whom etc cetera, etc cetera. and that's been a lot of fun because. Uh, uh, some of the other people who also, you know, who I also encountered by way of Gamergate, uh, are starting to show up, and they're good. Oliver's good. Some of the people he he's invited are really good. As in, you should go to Evo and play professionally. Good. Um. Yeah. Uh, if you you know, if you want to show up and you know, hang out and meet some more meet some uh, wonderful people, 
go to Oliver's channel. Um, I see it's linked in the chat. So, you know, stop by and uh, join the goof troop. That's pretty much, you know, that's what Oliver calls it. <laughs> I love uh, it. I, I've, I've actually jumped in a couple of times and watched his stream. And, and what, here's what I noticed. My takeaway was is that aside from the Thursday night fights, he plays boring-ass games. <laughs> this dude, this guy, I mean, there's, okay, he actually, he started recently playing Enter the Gungeon, right? But it's not about that, right? Like, he, when he's not playing Enter the Gungeon and stuff, it's all like JRPG. He's like Menu the video game, right? Um, but, like, but he's always in there talking about, like, you know, the latest bullshit Twitter drama or journalism or stuff. And he's, he's you know, every Twitch streamer, every successful one has to interact with his audience. But I think the stuff he says is really interesting. It's sort of like, it, it's the long-form version of this, the tweets that you see coming out of this guy. Yeah, follow him on Twitter, too, if, you, if you're not already. He's worth it. Um, by the way, I put the link to Oliver Campbell's Twitch channel in the liner notes in the description. So go down, click on Show More on the description, and you'll have a link to uh, Bradford's uh, his blog. And right under that, Oliver Campbell's Twitch channel. Both those links are in the description right now. Well, I just killed the entire conversation. Bam! That was it. <laughs> it's over, which is fine. We only have like a minute left, so um, I'll let Bradford... Uh, any last words before we go? Um, in addition to Oliver Campbell, uh, Razorfist is uh, somebody else you should follow. You know, you should check out. He's, you know, if you're into metal, if you're into video games, if you're into, you know... Uh, of pop, you know, various levels of pop culture that intersect with one or both. Uh, he's your man. You can find him at YouTube. Sometimes he streams. Unfortunately, not often enough at Twitch. He, you know, he also does YouTube gaming streams. Why I don't know. Um, and uh, anybody who wants to follow, you know, who wants to follow me, well, my primary blog will be linked below. Uh, on Fridays, I also post from my blog that is specifically about writing and the writing business. I'm, that's where I'm talking about anything that's work in progress, anything about uh, writing and publishing that I think is worth you know throwing out there. That's good uh, stuff, the, folks. I, I can vouch for it. Check it out. Yeah, the primary blog is Walker's Retreat. The writing blog is Walker's Study, and on Sundays. I'm still cleaning up and revising my 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 politics and philosophy blog, which is Empires Must Fall. Okay, um, let's go to uh, Brian. Do you have any any final words before we take off? Yes, I do. I want to thank Redford for coming as one of the people who's been paramount in supporting my writing career, both of just signal boosting and giving feedback. And you know, sometimes gentle correction when I need it. My hat is off to you, sir. You are welcome here and uh, certainly on my blog anytime. And uh, stick around. The ride is just beginning. Stay tuned. Uh, John? Uh, well, I, I'm glad to be back on the Gab. Thanks for coming on, Brad. Uh, it's <laughs> good to have you on this side. Thanks, uh, thanks, Teddy Warpig, for doing this and everybody for listening. Uh, it's been good, to, good times. All right, folks, um, this has been Geek Gab for uh, Saturday, April 23rd, 2016. Thanks for tuning in. We, uh, 
I have no idea, no idea, no idea what it is we're going to do next week, but I wish to assure you we will be back.